you know, the business world, I think it's got a lot more complicated, maybe just especially in the last year. Businesses are having to deal with maybe converting to e-commerce or uh, do you want to take Bitcoin and, you know, what what can you do with non-fungible tokens and a man who keeps up with all this is Michael J. Wolf. You've seen him on Bloomberg and CNBC. You've read his comments in various publications. He's the founder and CEO of Activate. He used to be head of MTV and uh, consultant at Booz Island. He keeps up with all things trending. He joins us right now. Mr. Wolf, it's good to have you with us. It's a pleasure. It's an exciting day, and it's an exciting time to be talking about this stuff. You know, it, it is, and, and I think, I, I wonder how many of these things have legs. So I've got this shopping list, e-commerce. Everybody's got to go to e-commerce, right? Yeah, what's, what's, what's fascinating about e-commerce is the growth curve of e-commerce has accelerated last year in five years by five, in five months. And what I mean by that is, uh, if you look at any forecast for the number of people who are going to buy their groceries online, that entire line shifted up. It actually ended up, the, the forecast ended up last year hitting the forecast for five years from now. And what's also fascinating is people would shop one or two places. They would shop on Amazon and so somewhere else. And all of our consumer research showed that last year, they expanded their digital shopping destination way beyond the retailers. If they were using Amazon, they might have also been going to Costco online, Target, Walmart. Walmart has set up its own version of Amazon Prime. And, um, and we're going to see um, the whole playing field for large traditional retailers and brands going more online. You know, and the stuff that they're selling online is just some, some of it I think is remarkable. Back years ago when Zappos was founded, uh, Tony Shea was on the show and I said, how can you, you got to try on shoes. You can't sell shoes online. He said, well, if you can, if we'll send you a box and you can send it back and they don't fit, you will. And, and the CEO of Zale said he was selling a lot of diamonds online, sight unseen. Because people could go to another, go to a Zales and exchange it for something else they, you know, they liked. The right. acceptance is there. It's people have gotten used to a, a couple things recently. One of them is they've gotten used to free shipping, and they've gotten used to, for to a large extent, free returns. So it's those were some of the things that got in people's way. And then the third thing was. They're getting much more used to shipping, getting something the next day or two days later. Yeah. So, and and then when you talk to, about groceries, it's getting it the same day. So, there's there's this it's it, it's incredibly convenient. The pricing is right. In a lot of cases, the pricing is below what it costs to buy in a store. And then there's a convenience. Now, there's always going to be people who are going to want to go to a store, and especially as the world opens up we're going to see that the habit yeah. is going to go things like grocery people are going to be back in the store. Okay. That's got legs. That's got to stay around and it's just going to expand. And, and the bankers tell us they love this because they finally got people to, you know, do away with bricks and mortar and take pictures of their checks and do deposits. And that cuts down their overhead. Um, that's going to stay around. What about, what about virtual currency, cryptocurrencies? I see some businesses now saying, well, you can pay in Bitcoin. That's got to be a fad, right? Um, I mean, the thing about Bitcoin is it's it really not an efficient 
um, vehicle for pain. And what it really is, it's much more about trading and speculation. So even though we're going to have, um, we've got a lot of different platforms, whether it's Coindesk or it's uh, uh, investment vehicles, Morgan Stanley just introduced a vehicle where you could invest in Bitcoin, but it's very speculative. You have to have $2 million in in assets just for them to let you use it. But again, the distinction here, it's an investment, good or bad, but not really a currency. Right. It's not a currency. And and there's some fascinating things that are, that are about to happen that may make it so that it's not a currency. So one of them is, is that a number of countries are going to be moving towards virtual currency themselves. So in China, a number of big cities are now in, in adopting a virtual RMB. And so people totally cashless. And so those become much easier ways of doing this. PayPal just acquired a company called Curve, C-U-R-V, where it's much more B2B. But so it's it's not clear that Bitcoin is going to be that kind of payment. And the other problem is there's just not enough Bitcoin volume to make it so that it's easy to pay. But the key, is, the key is it's got to be stable. I, I, if I can... If I have enough virtual currency in my bank to pay for a new Volkswagen today, when I buy the car tomorrow, I want to be sure it's still enough to pay for the Volkswagen. Well, Bitcoin is just too, still too volatile. Right. And um, and that's why we believe that central bank digital currencies are going to replace it. Oh. And um, and so, um, and, and, and the other thing is, is that, when you look at crypto, it's it's big whales that are dominating. It's a small yeah. set of the addresses by it, it it's about two and a half percent of the of the addresses for, for blockchain hold ninety-five percent of the Bitcoin supply. Right. And so um so this is gonna be this is much more speculative and um and there's just not enough money in it. So uh by the way, putting aside now there are there's another thing that could disrupt it there's there's um defined financial transactions otherwise it's known as DeFi, and that's where people can do transactions without having a currency so um this world is very fluid uh i'm not i'm not i wouldn't recommend that unless you could you could lose a lot of money i wouldn't recommend bitcoin as an investment so what about nft this is something we've heard more and more about and really, it seems like just over the last few weeks, these are the non-fungible tokens. There was a big art auction the other day uh, for NFT art. Right. Well, let, let, let's step back and think about what's really going on here. That that this begins like a lot of things. It begins with cyber collectibles. It begins with um, with baseball cards and, 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 and sports trading cards. And so those have always been a way, a store, a way in which people could um, trade for value. That biggest marketplace today is eBay for, for cardboard cards. And so then we see what comes along is new businesses and probably the best, the one that's the most well-known is NBA Top Shot, where, Top Shot, yeah. where millions of dollars are changing hands over what essentially are virtual trading cards, but it's also owning a small piece of video. And that makes 
a lot of sense because it is, you are the only person who owns it. You can trade it. People are making money by trading. And, th and, and that's where there's a lot of speculation. And it also ties to the physical card market because they see how much the sales in physical card for the last four years, the sale of like cardboard trading cards has gone way up. Now, the NFT, which stands for non-fungible token, the idea that it's applied to the art business, I'm more skeptical. I'm, I'm not sure how fully real that transact, the 60 plus million dollar transaction was uh, because the reasons why people buy art is usually for prestige and to show it on their walls. And um, I don't see it. I, I, I think that the value of NFTs, especially if you're a player, if, if, if you're one of the players or you're an owner of art, is that you'll get a piece of it when it trades. So yeah, I, yeah I but it's still, I mean, what, I mean the beautiful, one of the things about a painting is to be going up and looking at it and, and maybe even touching to see if Jackson Pollock's oil is finally dried out or looking at brush strokes or the little nuances you can see from different angles. Yeah, it, it's, it's, we're really talking about this is the price. It's one of the top four prices ever paid for a living artist. And so we, we just don't know really how the accounting got done here. Okay. Uh, whether or not the, the, the buyer was the seller, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so um, I would not take that as, as a pivotal moment in the value of NFTs. I'd be much more interested in looking what's happening with NBA Top Shop. Also, the, the players' associations, both the NFL players' associations and the MLB player associations, they've gotten together and started a for-profit business with a company called Redbird Capital, where they're going to license the likeness of the players so the players can get a piece of this. So there I see real excitement. All right. So let, let all things E, uh, eSports. Now, gaming, I, I've learned from back – when GameStop wasn't an expletive, it was just a company that was based around here that people grow up as kids, they're gamers, and they never outgrow it. They continue to be gamers. But the idea of people paying to sit in a stadium and watch other people play games, does that have legs? David, a lot of people are, um, are skeptical about it. So let, let me just step back and tell you, if you were to walk away with one thing from our discussion today, it's that video games themselves are the next technology paradigm. Yeah. And most digital activities, search, social, shopping, live events, um, currency, they're all going to take place inside of gaming. And every one of the major technology platforms, whether it's Google, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, Microsoft is already deep in gaming. They're going to be in it. So then you come to esports. And yes, people, esports do, they do fill up stadiums. And, um, and we have, we're at a point where we're roughly 700 million people worldwide are, um, they're going to be watching esports. And the, it becomes valuable because in a lot of cases, those are the same people watching the same people who play esports or mentalists, but this way, the same people are watching are themselves players, not necessarily competitors. The um, we're likely to see as sports betting really goes online in practically every state. 
We're going to see a lot of sports betting around this. Internationally, there's already a lot of sports betting. So a phenomenon that began in Asia is really going everywhere. And yes, people are skeptical about it, but all I suggest you do is go to one of these events. It's exciting as, or maybe even more so than going to a basketball game. Really watch it. Well, of course, you're not. I guess you watch the screens. You don't watch the individuals. Well, you watch the screens. The players are themselves sitting. Um, you see them. They're in. They're basically in booths. They're in special gaming chairs. There's lots of cameras on them, so you can see what they're doing. The action is there. But also, you can watch and see what's going on the screen. And at the same time, a lot of people are watching. If you're going to see Dota 2 being played, in a lot of cases, you're a Dota 2 player. That's remarkable. Um, so you mentioned video, uh, video gaming, sports betting. That really is. I mean, And especially post-pandemic, there are a lot of municipalities, a lot of states, a lot of entities that need that need tax income, and I guess sports betting is going to be a great place for them to get it. Is that going to be the the catalyst for the for widespread sports betting? I think the biggest catalyst for um, for widespread sport sports betting is just that it's an activity that has been illicit for many years, and so there are a couple of reasons. One, it's an illicit activity becoming a legal one. The other is that there, once you get into sports betting today, it becomes more sophisticated. So you can place a bet inside of a game. You can place it um, at, for a specific shot. And it just changes the whole nature of the experience. Suddenly, sports is also, it, it, it was about data before, but it's really about data. It's about, it's about knowing what's going on, not just in terms of the game, that you're watching, but other, but other games because of parlays. Yeah. And we're going to see sports betting across not just football, basketball, and baseball, but it's going to be around soccer. It's going to be around auto racing. But, but the casualties, I, I would think this would kill Las Vegas. Oh, no, I, I, I don't think it's going to kill Las Vegas. I think there are, that people go, there are different habits. So we're going to go from this year We'll end the year with online sports betting in around somewhere around sixty million, sixty. I'm sorry, sixty billion dollars by 2024. This is a close to a two hundred billion dollar business. We, I'm sorry, the the size of the betting, two hundred billion dollars. Las Vegas people are going to Las Vegas for a different experience. The sports books, even the sports books, they're going. They want to get together because they want to be. It's a social thing. It's. Fascinating time to be alive. It's changing rapidly. Michael J. Wolf has his uh, finger on all of this, too, as founder and CEO of Activate. Um, I could go on with you for an hour or two. Will you come back on the show sometime? Absolutely. We'll, we'll do it. It'll be, it'll be fun again, and we can talk about a bunch of other stuff that's happening. And you can be sure a lot of this stuff will change by the next time we get together again. Exactly. Uh, Mr. Wolf, thanks a lot. For more of our conversation with Michael J. Wolf, go to krld.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.